Welcome to the Kitchen Sink Meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. Starting in July 2021, the meeting will be hybrid. You will still be able to attend the meeting via Zoom. Please go to the Los Angeles Intergroup's webpage at oalaig.org for login information. And now, our speaker. Three of So, Rika, thank you for asking me to speak. Uh, it's good to be here. Uh, today, I also celebrate 16 years of abstinence. I always... <laughs> It's, it's always somewhere around Thanksgiving, um, I mean, not Thanksgiving, Halloween weekend, uh, it, it, because I made the decision that I wasn't going to raid my kids' candy one more year. Uh, you know, when I started doing that, you know, I took a little break from the program, because, you know, I can have sugar. You know, I was having some of the sugar-free stuff, and uh, I, there was this nutritionist I was seeing, and like, look, sugar-free stuff, you might as well just have the sugar. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I think I'll do that. I mean, I stopped. I came into OA in 1983, okay? Old man now. 1983, I didn't ever have Ben and Jerry's. I got abstinent. I was off of sugar. I heard about all of these things. So, fast forward 15 years, 16 years, I got to try all that. And, uh, you know, my son was born in 2000. He's two months old. He's not going to eat that candy. Uh, you know, he's a year old. He doesn't need all that candy. Two years old. You know, finally, he was five. He was, get, he was getting a little territorial. So I knew uh, I'm not going to go through this again. I'm just not going to go through it again. I had a sponsor in AA. I know it's about OA. Who I had met in OA. And uh, he had taken a break from OA, too. And um, he had recommitted to his abstinence. We were go- going to a meeting. He goes, you know, I've recommitted to OA. I thought, oh, uh-oh. Really? <laughs> wow. Okay. And I thought about that. And I thought, you know, if he can do it, I can do it. Why am I not doing this? And so I went, uh, and it was just around Halloween, went to the kitchen sink when it was at the log cabin, Walked in, hadn't been in in about four or five years, saw all the same faces. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it was the same people. It was just like someone had pressed pause and then hit play on the recorder. There was like no change. And um, I was like, okay, yeah, I don't want to be here. I do not want to be here. But I got to be here. It was the only thing that worked. You know, I was a fat kid. I loved sugar. Um, I had a really turbulent um, childhood. And, um, I mean, more stuff just, <laughs> just keeps coming out. Now that everyone's dead, I'm hearing all the stories. <laughs> and uh, they're fascinating. Uh, so, it's, um, you know, it, so, you know, Coming into, you know, then I got abstinent, then I decided to break away from, uh, you know, I, I could do it on my own. You know, it stopped working. There was all these things. So, um, I don't know, I, I lost my total train of thought on that. But, um, you know, for me, it was coming back, I didn't want to be here. But what I discovered was the only time I never had an issue with weight was when I was in OA. I was pretty much the same weight. And I was like, okay, wow. I hate that. 
<laughs> you know, I, I had gone to see a doctor. Uh, my father had dropped out of a heart attack at 63. I had some of the, I had the same conditions. And he said, you will have, he goes, you have a 100% chance of a heart attack. You are in the highest category of risk. So the question is, are you having it next year or in 20 years? Now, this was 20 years ago. And I thought about, I had to think. He goes, you got to lose 70 pounds. Start running the marathon. I'm like, any particular way to lose the weight? He goes, I don't care. Lose it. That's the important point. How? I don't care. So I went on, you know, crazy, eat nothing but kookaroo chicken. That dates me. Uh, <laughs> and kookaroo chicken three times a day. And I lost the weight, training for a marathon. I developed bad stomach problems, hurt my leg, had to get operated on, started to gain the weight back. And that's when I was like, okay. This, my way isn't going to work. Let me, and this, you know, it kept coming back. The only time you never had a problem was when you were in OA. All right. So I come back. I didn't want to raid the kids' candy. Uh, all of those things. And I got a, meet, uh, a sponsor at my first meeting because I went the previous 15 years, 13 and a half years in recovery in OA without a sponsor. I moved. I was in my fourth city. I didn't have a sponsor. Uh, you just couldn't find the right sponsor. If you're in Los Angeles and you can't find a sponsor, you don't want a sponsor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I was in Charlottesville, Virginia with four people, okay. When I was in Washington, D.C., mm, a little iffy. Uh, when I was in Paris, small English-speaking Paris, okay. You know, I had a sponsor there. Then back in D.C., I could have found a sponsor, but didn't. Philadelphia, yeah, Center City, but there was about five, six meetings a week. I could have found a sponsor. L.A., no excuse. So um, I just didn't want a sponsor. And, and that really, in the end, I had no one to turn to when it wasn't working or I wasn't working it. So I got a sponsor right away. And, um, and I've been here since. It's 16 years. And, um, you know, it during the pandemic, as we've all gone through this, it's been a tough time to be a compulsive overeater. Um, you know, there are some things that make it harder, some things that make it easier. You know, isolation, perfect time, food delivery, all Uber Eats. All, I, I, I will not use any delivery service. It's not. Anyone else's thing? It's my thing. I don't use Uber Eats. I, I will drive and go pick it up. Uh, just because I know in my last, in 2000, this is when a lot of those things started. I started using them. And, you know, I got deliveries of, you know, Ben and & Jerry's and Haagen-Dazs. That was it. I'm like, this is amazing. And it just arrived slightly <laughs> melted. Perfect. <laughs> this was great. So I, I don't use those services anymore. And... Um, but the flip side is no buffets, you know, so you take the good with the bad. Uh, uh, you know, but the one thing I have done is I showed up and I showed up at uh, the kitchen sink. I showed up at other meetings. I showed up in my other programs. Uh, I'm now going to in-person meetings wherever possible. And that's how I show up. And, and it, it is key to my recovery. Um, you know, the other thing that because I'm 57. You know, I think 
I used to think when I was 18, 57, who cares about your weight? Nobody's got to care. You know, eat what you want. Uh, you know, but being 57 now, I've, I want to live a bit longer. I, you know, I'm at that 20-year mark. Uh, now I've been following exactly the doctor's orders. I was talking with someone the other day who was having some heart issues, and he was not following doctor's orders. And we talked. I said, just follow the orders. It's easy. OA taught me, follow orders. Yeah, now, since I follow orders, the cardiologist says, I think we can get you to 90 without a heart-related incident. So, she said, that doesn't mean you're not going to get knocked out by something else. But it ain't going to be a heart attack if you continue to do what you've been doing. And so, I'm a big believer in following orders. And, and that has gotten me through this. It, it's not any harder than that. You know, I got a phone call from a guy. Uh, someone said, hey, call Peter. So I called me up and he goes, yeah, I don't know if I'm a compulsive overeater and yeah, still struggling. And, and, and I said, okay, so here's the deal. If you're still at that point, I'm like, don't call me back. I said, think about this. The first two steps. You know, there's two things that are going on. We admit we're powerless over food. Can you? And he goes, well, how do I know that? And I go, does your eating scare you? Yeah. You're powerless. That's it. If, you're, if you get scared by your own eating, you're powerless. Um, is your life unmanageable? I don't know. I said, can you stop eating when you want? No. Okay. That's the first step. Okay. That doesn't get you into the program. I said, now the second part. This is the tough part that weeds people out. The second step. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And I said to this guy, do you think you can handle this on your own? And he goes, well, I'm trying. <laughs> and I go, how's that? Well, if you're calling me, it ain't working out. Because <laughs> someone in the program, Nancy gave me his, my number. Uh, you don't even know me. So you're calling strangers. So it can't be that good. <laughs> you know, I would not, you know, I don't know who you are. Can you help me? So um, step two, it's not working. So you've got, I said, here's the leap of faith. You've got to follow direction and be willing to do that because there's a power greater than you. And let's just call it the group. Let's call it OA. Let's call it, you know, 60, 60 years plus, 70 years plus of 12-step recovery between OA and the other programs. Um, there's a higher power. If you're unwilling to ask for help or you still think you can do it on your own, we're not it. So until, you, until food scares you, and that you can't stop. And that's how I define unmanageability. We can get into the finer points, you know, of, you know, no job, never leaving the apartment, etc. But let's, let's just get to the food. Uh, and then secondly, can you do it on your own? Because I think that's the thing that in the back of my mind, ah, this isn't working. I can do it on my own. Well, if I couldn't do it in here, I'm sure as hell not going to do it on my own out there. So I have to get back to that question, you know. Can I do this on my own? And if the answer is yes, I'm not ready. I'm not ready for OA. I said, so, you know, go to a couple meetings, go out there, eat some more. <laughs> when you're done, and the, it really scares you this time. And like now I mean it, it's scary. And you don't think you can do it on your own, then, then, then we're ready for you. And you're ready for us. 
That's what has to happen. And I think that's the thing that a lot of us overlook. Well, we get into the food plan and let me get into the steps and, you know, I'm going to get recovery and I'm going to get into that spiritual awakening thing. Uh, the promises. Where are the promises? Okay. The pro- financial insecurity. Gone. Good. Okay. You know, that means someone else paid my credit card bill. That's it's not what I like would say to you, but I knew in my mind there was like that some connection. Something good was going to happen financially. (laughs) Usually what happens is something bad happens financially. And then you learn that it's okay. It doesn't really matter. It's kind of like the booby prize. Um, So I just wanted to get to all that. But really what it comes back to is, can I do this on my own? And do I think I have control over my food? And today I can say, I don't. Why? I'm here. You know, I'm going to show up here and, and be in this meeting and participate, you know, some 36 years later. And um, so, you know, I feel very blessed to have 15 years of abstinence, go out for a couple of years, somehow make it back. You know, I was a fat kid, an obese child. It's very hard to be a normal weight. Statistically speaking, it's very, I've beaten the odds. Everyone in my family is either diabetic or borderline diabetic. Uh, we don't die of cancer. We die of heart attacks. We die of, you know, diabetes. We die of Alzheimer's, a lot of which seems to appear to come from just poor nutrition on top of some genetic stuff. So, <clears throat> you know, I'm here. Thank God. So I need to stay here. And I'm glad that I keep showing up. And why do I keep showing up? Because of something I hate people that read through the book. Yeah, I'm like, I can do that. I want to hear your experience. But um, what it talks about in abstinence, I was just hearing this. I'm like, yes, recovery is defined as the removal of the need to engage in compulsive overeating behaviors. Recovery is defined as the removal. So the question is, am I in recovery? Am I going to go spend 200 bucks at the grocery store on the way home and hide everything? That's not being in recovery. So I'm not doing that. Uh, am I planning my next binge? Okay, I'm going to stop there, there. I can go over there at the open at noon, you know, that kind of thing. I'm not doing that. So I'm the removal of the need to engage in those behaviors. That's how I know I'm in recovery. Am I at full weight? Am I doing this? Am I doing that? And oh, my relationships. No. That's not how OA defines recovery. And, you know, I think one of the things that I have to be careful of is that when you have time or people get up and speak and they sound great, it's kind of like Instagram life. There's the Instagram life and the filters, and then there's the reality. I love that. Okay, here's the filter. Here's the reality. Oh, I'm getting up. I'm speaking. I'm this and that and the other. You know, their life may be a mess, but uh, up there on the podium, they sound fantastic, and they got it together, and why can't I get it together? And I still have that 10 pounds that won't come off. And now, it doesn't matter. My sponsor used to say, well, you can get on the scale, but it's not going to really matter. I understand what he's talking about. I'm basically the same weight as I was in 2015. Maybe a pound or two difference. Nothing fits. The body changes. Hitting, you know, late 50s, early 60s. The number is meaningless. 
you know. But the clothes, I mean, it's not major, but yeah, I gotta have some stuff taken out, and it's like you know, an admission of defeat almost. But no, it's called the body's changing. So, you know, for me, I can sit there and say, well, I'm I recovered, but this isn't happening. You know, yes. I, you know, I, I've got God working in my life, but I don't have that relationship. Or, gee. You hear that's your, your five-minute warning? Ah, thank you. You know, or fill in the blank with something else. But what it really has to come back to is, M, is the need to engage in those destructive behaviors been removed? Mm-hmm. And that's what I have to remember today. And it has been. And it continues to be. As long as I do a few things, I get involved with a program, I have sponsees, I have a sponsor, I try and do the steps. Not wonderfully. You know, someone calls me up and says, you know, I, 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 can we go through the steps? Things are really bad. I'm like, no. I said, we're not in control of our recovery. Doing the steps one more time and going through and doing yet another inventory and going through this stuff. What are you trying to extract from God in the program to make your life better? Why don't we ask that question first? That's the really uncomfortable question. Again, if I'm in recovery and I don't have the need to engage in those behaviors, that's really what it comes down to. It's not about I'm in a dead-end job. Now, can the steps help me with all of that? Absolutely. Can it help me go through things? Absolutely. In fact, right now, going through a lot of revamping and looking at my life again, looking at the steps and looking at my recovery in a different way. And there's going to be a lot of big changes that I'm going through and initiating. And, you know, this is 36 years in. So, yes, there's always, a, there's always this need for renewal. But this idea that I'm vaguely dissatisfied with my recovery and my life and my bank account and my love life and where I live and what I drive and maybe... If I do the steps, that vague dissatisfaction will go away. That's controlling my recovery. Usually some bad shit happens. Remember 2008, major crisis. I work in the financial industry. My income dropped 65%. And, you know, I called my sponsor. (laughs) He's laughing. He knows this story. And I'm like, I'm bankrupt. I have no money. He goes, really? Okay. And he's not taking this at all seriously. Not like I am. I'm like, there's no money. I got a mortgage. I got this. I got that. What are we going to get to? He goes, well, do you have a retirement account? I go, yes. And he goes, okay, you got money. I go, no, I can't use that. (laughs) I'm advising people what to do with their finances. That's what I, you never advise that. And he goes, well, if you need money, that's where it is. (laughs) You know, what I had to do was do things that intellectually I disagreed with. And I had to be willing. And then he goes, you know, I talked to him. He goes, are you still bankrupt? I go, no. <clears throat> Something came through. A little more money than I expected. And he goes, that keeps happening. I go, yeah, I know. It's really pissing me off. <laughs> you know? It's just this God thing, you know? And I would turn it over and turn it over and ask for this, you know, this... Fear of financial insecurity to go away. And then he said, well, why don't you stop praying to have it removed? I'm like, well, how will God know? <laughs> Maybe trust that it's already happening. Mm. That's how you work the steps. Bad shit happens. 
And then you get to apply everything. Not, okay, we're going to sort of do a little upgrade in the 50,000 mile, you know. You know. And, and I think, because the, the worst thing that can happen is for me to treat this like a self-improvement course. Because when it gets good, I'm out of here. And I know we all know lots of people. They've gotten the recovery. They've gotten the goal weight. They've gotten their lives back. They've come back from the brink and they're gone. Because this was a self-improvement course. And for me, what I have to remember is my recovery is, am I able to refrain from those destructive behaviors? I need to keep coming back to keep from refraining from those, those destructive behaviors. That's what it's about. And in the meantime, I get to work on a lot of other things. And hopefully, what I begin to see is my life change. Not like get better on the Instagram page. You know, that can happen. But in the interior, you know, because at the end of the day, for me, I was having a conversation with someone about Instagram. I'm like, well, you don't put a lot of stuff on Instagram. I go, I know. When I look at it, I go, what are you selling? What am I selling? I'm selling something when I'm on social media. What am I selling? I don't need to sell. So maybe I don't need to really engage in social media. Maybe I need to be in real life and enjoy that. And then the people I come in contact with in real life, we get to share that. So, you know, it comes back to it's not getting all those things and it's an interior thing. As my sponsor said, it's an inside job. I'm like, yeah, it's an inside job. Yeah, I know. But you know what it is. That's my time. So we're going to stop on an inside job. And this is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader, myself, are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking a question, you need not identify yourself. If you asked a question last week, please wait until at least three questions have been asked before raising your hand. Um, if you have a question or in person, raise your hand. If you're on Zoom, type your question into the chat and the tech host We'll read out the question uh, to the speaker. We will alternate between in-person and online questions. The speaker will repeat the question before answering, and then we'll stop at 9.50. Okay, so we have in-person. Let's go in-person. Specifically, what did you do to work on your relationship and faith in God? Uh, what did I specifically do to work on my relationship and faith in God? You know, I went back to organized religion for a while. Um, that was nice. We have some nice ceremonies and, and, and there's a sense of belonging and history and tradition and all of those things that I like. Um, it didn't do too much to deepen my faith in many ways, except on an intellectual basis. Um, what did it was problems. Problems arising and, I'm, and I think, okay, I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. I do not know how I'm going to get through this. And then talking to people in the program, turning it over. You know, in step six and seven, you know, you have these character defects. You ask to have them removed. It's like, okay, I'm letting go of being obsessed. Okay, I'm letting go of obsession. Okay, step seven, it's going, it's going. Open my eyes and do. then I'm obsessed. And I go back or do the same thing. I'm not going to yell at my kids. And then they do something. I yell at my kids. I'm like, well, okay, I asked to have this removed. What happened? What it talks about in the 12 and 12 
is that I now have to act as if it had been removed by my higher power. So, if I believe that my higher power is going to take care of me, and I'm going to have faith that I can get through a financial situation where I'm bankrupt, um, or something happens with work, you know, then I'm okay. Then I'm being taken care of. And how do I have that faith? I act as if it's I'm already been taken care of. I don't know the solution. I don't know the roadmap. But I know I'm already being taken care of. So a lot of it is act as if. And it's after that six and seven. is to act as if the character defect's been removed or the situation's being worked on. And a lot of times, I go nowhere because I'm not ready to take that step. I keep, I keep hitting that wall with the same behavior. And eventually I go, oh, I got to go this way. I got to turn left. So that's basically how I do it. Okay, now we got to go to an online question. Okay, so following up with that, what is your daily spiritual practice? What is my daily spiritual practice? So I get up in the morning. Uh, I'm like a routine kind of guy. Um, you know, I three days a week I run in the morning first. Uh, but I, I spend 15 minutes in meditation. And sometimes I go outside and just listen to the birds and try and meditate on the sound of nature. Uh, sometimes it might be a little bit of soft music on uh, my phone uh, or silence. I started out at two minutes. And then every two weeks I increased it by a minute. So it's not like, oh, I can do 15 minutes. No way. I started with two minutes, and I just sat there, and sometimes I, you know, I count my breaths or do my mantra. And, you know, that is really something I have to do every single day, is that 15 minutes. And preferably before I have my breakfast or anything else gets going in the day, I really need to do that. So that's the first thing that I do. Uh, and then the second thing is usually I talk to somebody in program. It's either a sponsee calling me or I'm talking to someone. It can be a friend. It doesn't have to be program related, but it's just that connection, that social connection um, with somebody else that's, that's following a path of recovery. Other than that, um, that's it. I'm not very spiritual. Uh, yes. question is, how do I deal with people in my life that drive me insane that I cannot get rid of? That's a great question. Uh, usually the first path, you know, I write about it. I do an inventory. I'm resentful at. Fill in the blank. Why? It affects my self-esteem, personal relations, ambition, pocketbook, sexual relations. You know, what is a character defect that if it were removed would cause me to no longer have the resentment? Them as a living human being. Okay, you know, if that's removed, I don't have the resentment. It doesn't work that way. So, I can go through and, and I'll tell you a story. I had a business partner about 
12 years ago. And it was, I should have known better, but greed got the better of me and we formed this partnership and we were going to make a lot of money. And I was not in recovery. And um, so we got going and we were wildly successful. But, you know, then she got a change of heart. She started dating this guy. She wanted to bring him into the business and do that. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not going to work. And then we started fighting. And it got to the point where we couldn't be in the same room together. Um, I remember we had to go close this big deal. We called the manager on the way back from it. Yep, we did it. It's done. You guys are both in the car together? I go, yeah. He goes, and you're not killing each other. I go, there's too much money involved. (laughs) So then it went from my assistant calling her assistant. So we see, I'm like, okay, you tell her assistant that I'm not not putting up with this. So it was like one of these situations. And after doing all these 10 steps, I'm going to turn it over. I'm going to let, you know, I'm going to, you know, forgiveness, the light of forgiveness and all this other stuff. Um, You know, she's another sick child of God like myself. And I just have to remember that. You know, what it was is I finally said to uh, my AA sponsor at the time. I got to break up this partnership. I don't want to do it. I'm making too much money. But I got to break this partnership up. It ain't working. And he goes, yeah. And I go, and I did all the, was, I just wasted so much time on those 10 steps. He goes, no, no. You had to do these inventories to get to the point of acceptance where you're not angry, you're not fighting. It is you're resigned. Yes, okay. This is what I got to do. And... I had to then figure out a way to do this business divorce. And it worked out, you know, and um, we all both were fine afterwards. And thank God. And so there's only so much I can do. You know, as my sponsor says, I can either change my behavior or change my attitude. And I like to change my attitude because I don't like conflict. That's my my character defect is avoiding conflict. And sometimes, you know what? I'm angry, and you're going to know I'm angry, and I'm not changing. Sorry. There's a good reason I'm angry. And sometimes I can't have a relationship, and an ongoing daily relationship with that person. You know, my brother I can't deal with. He's mentally ill. He lives in Ecuador. He's always trying to establish a relationship. I go, we're not going to have a relationship until you seek medical attention. Sorry. So don't contact me. So that is how I deal with that. I hope that helps. Online question. Thanks, Peter. Um, how do you work your program when you travel and your routine gets, gets thrown off? How do I work my program when I travel and my routine gets thrown off? Well, you know, the last month I've traveled three times to the East Coast. So I've really had recently this big sort of thing of... Um, my schedule changing and um, the first thing I have to remember is um, no one starves in 24 hours I have to really remember that you know I'm getting on the plane it's like okay do I have my you know 
they don't serve food on the planes anymore. You know, they, they give you a pretzel and a glass of water or a cup of water, you know, a bottle of water even, and, and, a, and, a, and a wipe. And uh, so I got to go. I got to get my stuff from Whole Foods and everything and have it there. You know, it's like I'm, gonna, I'm on the Oregon Trail. It's going to be a five-week trip to the East Coast. So I prepare that way. So I know... I'll just get what I'd normally have, bring it on the plane. I also know that if they don't have exactly what I'm looking for when I get there, I'll live. I'll survive. You know, I can adapt. Um, and, you know, there are, my, my abstinence is loose enough where, you know, I can find something that's going to work. And, um, and, and so I just have to relax and chill out. Sometimes I have to hit the ground running. I don't get that 15 minutes of morning meditation in. So I do it in the afternoon. I do it in the evening. I get it in somewhere. And I just remember, I'm not going to die living my life. If my higher power wants me to have a life, I'm not going to die trying to live that life in an abstinent way. That doesn't mean I get to have everything exact my preferred yogurt, my preferred sugar-free granola, you know. Uh, you know, okay, not there. All right, maybe I do oatmeal. You know, I don't know. We improvise. So, you know, it'll work out. Um, so, that's basically, thank you. That's basically how I do things. Every once in a while, I'll break out the little white book for today. That's great. You know, I, I, I look at that thing and I think, yeah, I know. I've looked at it for 35 years. But every day it's like, oh, yeah, wow. I just need to be reframed. And I can do that anywhere in the world. So, next one. Yes? Um, what effect has recovery and looking so what effect has working the steps and program had on romantic relationships? That's, that's uh, interesting. Very timely. Um, so, you know, it's been interesting. I've been looking at OA and my relationship and married for 26 years, together 31 years. And it's been fascinating. I've gone back and looked at it from the point of view of not, you know, everyone looks at it like, how's my relationship? It's good. Okay, great, wonderful. What I go back and take a look at is, what was the barometer of my food? So, I've been abstinent for 15 years, got married in 95. In 97, I basically began to drift away from the program and put on 70 pounds. Never really connected. And then got back to program and then got back in 2005 and got absent again. And then we started having conflicts almost immediately. And since that time, tension. Not horrific, but some tension. And so now I sort of look at that and go, okay, that food is the barometer. My program is the barometer. Um, what's going on here? Why did I go out? Well, I kind of didn't have a sponsor. Well, maybe there was something going on in the relationship I need to look at. So I've been looking at it not through the lens of my relationship, how good it is and how my program has improved my relationship. This time I've switched it around and say, how is my program, how has my relationship impacted my program? Because in a way, this is my primary purpose. If I'm not doing this, I'm not around for anything else. 
at all. And it's like that situation with the business partner. I had to come to the point. Uh, I was not abstinent at that time, and that's why I know I got into that. I was in a, a relationship, a business relationship with another compulsive overeater who got the uh, stomach staple. You don't want to be around someone who wants to eat and can't. <laughs> I should have known that. That was a disaster waiting to happen. Um, but I didn't have the program at the time to realize what I was doing. So now what I've been doing is looking at how my relationships have affected my program. And I think that's a very good exercise to sort of reverse it because we really do. It sounds very selfish, but we have to put our program first because if I'm not in recovery, not, it doesn't matter what kind of relationship I have. I'm not going to have one. So that's what I've been doing lately. And it's been a really, really fascinating exercise. And it's a great question. Thank you. Um, maybe we have one more uh, online. Um, can you just elaborate on, you mentioned something about substituting sugar-free and then your dietician said, you might as well just eat sugar. Um, how did you, um, you know, manage that or what was that? Like free, if you could just talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, um, I started eating sugar and put on 70 pounds and stuff. <laughs> um, that's the reality. Now, do I have things that are sweetened with things other than sugar, whether it's dates or stevia, something like that? I can tell when I have something that doesn't have sugar. I don't get that zing, that rush. And I might have it here and there a couple times a week, and then I don't have it. And if I do keep having it, then I'll call my sponsor and say, eh, you know, it's like um, sports bars. He goes, oh, you mean candy? Like, okay, that's all you needed to say on that one. Um, so no sports bars. It's not hard. But if something has sugar in it, boy, I can tell. It impacts my body differently. So do I have things that are sugar substitutes, something sweetened with fruit juice or maple syrup or dates or things like that? Yes. And I watch it because it's playing with a little bit of fire. If it becomes like a regular part, okay, maybe I need to have a conversation about that. But I, this idea that some of this stuff does metabolize into sugar and the sorbitol or whatever it is, yeah, it probably does. But what it doesn't do is it doesn't give me that rush. It's probably not the best thing to have on a regular basis, um, but it doesn't give me that rush. But what that comment did do is give me license. I was ready to walk out anyways, and that just gave me license to go out and do that. So. That's your time, Peter. And that's my time. Thank you.